Hey everybody, welcome to the Rob and Callie Show. My name is Rob Kay and I am a life coach in New York and I happen to be sitting here with one of my very good friends, Callie Alpert. How are hey. you, Miss Alpert? Hi, Robbie. How are you doing today? Good to see you in your creaky chair. A little creaky, that chair. A little creaky? We need some WD-40 on this thing? I don't know. I just All hope right. it's not a metaphor for us. No. Okay, good. We're still vital and We're going with the flow. Excited. We're flowing. Everything's good. We're here in the studio. We got Engineer Joe with us. Joe is the mic master. He's the man. And uh, yeah. It's great. We're here for another episode. How um, how you doing? How was your weekend? My weekend was good. It was interesting. It was a mixed bag. I was um, trying, trying to remember my weekend and not for any, you know, those kinds of reasons. Like, people say, so I don't long. remember my weekend. Um, it was really on Saturday. I went with um, a friend of mine. This is somebody who's from my past who I've recently reconnected with, which has been really, really amazing and special. We actually were short-term high school sweethearts, and now he's back in my life as a very close friend. So that's probably a topic in and of itself for another day, but that's been wonderful. And we share a love of photography. Hmm. And so I didn't realize it, but we've started this ritual where we're going to abandon buildings in the greater New York, New York, uh, New York and New Jersey so far hmm. area. And um, trespassing sometimes. <laughs> I won't. Which is I always probably fun. shouldn't. I probably shouldn't say that right. publicly. We're breaking the, the law pretty the law. often. No, we just we went to one um, abandoned mental institution a few weeks ago, which was really spectacular. And this time we went to Fort Totten, which is a it's it's in Queens, New York, hmm. very very close to New York City, um, and it was a. Um, you know, it was a, a, a fort and a battlement area, probably in the 1700s, although I have not read up on my history yet as much as I should have. Mm. Um, but there's a few buildings there that are in um, repose, as I like to say, that are really, really interesting. You mm. know, abandoned, but still with a lot of the old um, remnants of either, you know, a room in a house or a basement that has a few isolated, you know, items that are still there mm. or the actual ba uh, battlement ground. So it was very, very cool. We took a lot of pictures and uh, I was recently gifted a Polaroid camera. So I'm very excited about my new toy. Cool. Yeah. What about you? That's What'd awesome. You yeah. Polaroid cameras. So cool. Where you got to shake the picture. Uh, well, I do, these are. It depends on the kind of film Shake that you use. Shake it like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> yeah, I think they were playing that song back in the '70s when Polaroids were really popular. Totally. It was. Uh, it was pretty neat because it is like a little gift that you have that you wait for. You kind of hide it in a dark pocket or back in the box in your bag or whatever. Give it ten minutes, but then I try to taunt myself and hold out a little bit longer so I wait until it's dinner time or till the first cocktail served to really, you right. know, um, enjoy it. So it's really it's a fun fun toy. Cool. What did you do this weekend? Um, well, I had a good weekend. I um, it was kind of mellow. I what did I do? I went to Strawberry Fields in the city, which is always amazing. Have mm -hmm. you been there many times? I always um, not lately, but I enjoy it, and I like to talk to John Lennon on certain days. It's awesome, and it, his vibe is there. Yeah, I mean, the spirit of John is there, and it's so great because there's always like hundreds of people there, and they're taking pictures by the Imagine. Um, what do you call that? Um, 
the ceramic, just the, the yeah. mosaic. The mosaic. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. The imagined mosaic. It was just so great. And then there's always some guy playing Beatles tunes. Yeah. At least one guy. Yeah. So I think they take turns. Like they have shifts. <laughs> So I hung out there and was like singing Beatles tunes and it's just so great to go for the day. I'm so fortunate I live right by there. Nice. And then um, I watched a Met game last weekend. I was at a Met game. And I just want to say like if if people have not been to a baseball game in a long time, like just go. It is such a great experience being there. They're playing against the Nationals, competing for first place, and they swept them last weekend. And there was so much excitement at City Field. It was incredible. I went with some buddies. We had the best time. It was just so awesome. They won. There were like three home runs hit in one inning, Fun. and they won the game. It was just incredible. Great to be there. As so anyway, I nod politely. Being like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, Kelly's like, it's I so game. don't care about that. So anyway, <laughs> so yeah, no, I watched him make I, game. I do care when it's a World Series or some climactic game. Then I'm capable of going out okay. and sitting at a bar by myself and really yelling at a television set, something most people don't know about me. So. Hopefully the Mets and World Series will be in the same sentence come the fall. We can talk then more about baseball. Um, Get back to me on that. So, yeah, so I, uh, what did I do? So I went to Central Park and watched Mega. Oh, I went to the Lyle Lovett concert, which I told you about. I which, heard another very um, close friend of mine went as well and said it was amazing. It was awesome. Nice. He's incredible. I mean, that dude is like larger than life. And he's like such an original. There's nobody like him. And uh, that was a great concert. And then I watched um, um, Enough Said with Julie Louise Dreyfus and James Gandolfini. And that was such a good movie. It's actually my second time watching that movie. And it was James Gandolfini's last movie, I think. And Julia It Louise, was. It's yeah. a beautiful, precious movie. I remember that movie when it first came out. Well, Julia Louise Drivis is like one of my favorite actresses. So it was great. She's great in that movie. The both of them. It was just a great flick. So yeah, that was my weekend. It was pretty mellow, pretty not hugely exciting, but it was good enough for me. So with that... Yeah, what are we thinking about today? Well, we're going to talk about a topic that I think everybody can relate to, and it's about finding your tribe. Mm-hmm. So I do love this topic. So, Callie, I'm going to let you take over <laughs> and talk about this a little bit. <laughs> wow, you, am I getting introduced twice? Because you first, love like, this topic so show? much. You go ahead. All right. It has been on the list, and definitely um, it's something that is near and dear to me and probably god for so many reasons i almost don't know where to start i think for me a sense of community maybe i was thinking about when when you brought this up is when we walked in here earlier today that my first memory of feeling like i wanted to be a part of something a little bit larger is when i was a kid probably formative years teenagers when we're awkward and completely disenfranchised from the world even though every teenager is doing the exact same thing at the same time. And I remember wanting to become a part of something where I felt people got me because that's always been my thing. I don't feel gotten. I didn't when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And so I remember two times when I had this feeling. One is when I witnessed a bunch of kids, probably this was even maybe before high school, that had gone to a, like, C, uh, it's like Catholic youth, youth organization, right, CYO. And sorry, because it's not, um, I didn't grow up with that, and so I don't want to butcher the uh, acronym or the... But I remember the way these boys and girls were talking about it, and there was always the sense of, like, intimacy and a little hug at the end of the night and some sharing of something that was personal to them. And I remember envying that because I didn't feel like I had that. Mm-hmm. 
And I went to a few meetings with them because I wanted to have that experience. And I really appreciated the warmth of that. Um, and it's not like I was lacking for warmth or affection in my, you know, from my family, but for some reason I was never really a fan of the nuclear separate kind of fashion of living so much as I was always looking for a tribe or sense of community. Right. And then the first time I really found it is when I, um, was at, when I did acting in high school. Mm, Yeah, me too. Really? Yeah. With all the, I mean, those people, those kids were kind of looked at as a little bit different, a little marginalized, a little yeah. nerdy, a little offbeat, yeah. very talented, yeah. kind of awkward, and I really fit in. Mm. And do you remember, did that make an impression on you? Was that like the first time you ever experienced that? Well, I think I felt part of a group before that, but I remember in high school, I was so lost and going through a really difficult time because I was out of school for a couple of months and then trying to get back in the social social swing. And I went from hanging out with the popular kids to trying to find a group again. And like when you miss a couple of months in high school, that's a long time. You might as well be out a year. So it was just very tough. And I remember auditioning for a show and then I was in Pippin which we've talked about and Pippin saved my ass my junior oh my year God, of high my school. Favorite, it's like, my favorite. Well, being in that show and just being around all that music. And that's when I realized that I wanted to be an actor or singer. I remember singing morning glow and that song, we'd hit a couple of notes, every song. And I got chills and I was like, this is what I want to do. And that's when I had the epiphany to be an actor and a singer. But yeah, I mean, you know, the drama kids, I think, in every high school, it's like glee. It's like, you know, sort of the outsiders who are doing their artsy thing. And people right. may not understand it, but it's pretty cool to them. You know? Right. I've always had an express, not always, um, in the last maybe 10, 15 years, an expression that I came up with is like black sheep grazing together. Oh, yeah. I heard you that. like that? Yeah. Is that genius? No, but it kind of says it because it's really about, you know, perhaps I just have always felt a little bit of an, uh, an outcast or made differently or, mm. you know, I was never hanging out with popular kids or um, fitting into what the the high school, you know, and I guess when you first try to find your identity, typically it's when you hit, you know, either, um, junior high or high school. That's when that stuff, that stuff starts mattering, right? Yeah. As teens and preteen or preteens and teens. And I never felt that well adjusted. So I always felt marginalized. I still, you know, I, I don't know without boring everybody with my own, you know, uh, psychobabble about myself. Um, I'm not sure that I can pinpoint that to one particular reason or some attribution for it, but it is how I always felt. Mm -hmm. And so it's pervaded my entire life, the idea of trying to find a sense of community where I feel like um, people get me and I get them and there's some kismet there. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I've definitely found it. It's the reason that, for example, I'm a huge fan of Burning Man, the not-so-subcultural gathering that we've referenced recently. I think I talked about that last time, but that is a very extreme example of people being given permission as grown ass adults to do whatever they want without harming anybody or breaking the law. Right. Um, but being really radical about it and being completely Mm. accepted and celebrated, Mm. whether it's artistically, sexually, um, you know, it's the, uh, and it is a tribal communal sort of existence. So, You know, I've um, talked to a lot of my friends and my family. I have one biological sister with whom I'm very close and adore immensely. And I remember she and I used to get into little kind of tiffs about this. She's been married for a long time and has two um, stepdaughters and, uh, you know, has created an amazing family for herself. And me is sort of living a little bit more of a less conventional existence have been 
playing around with the idea with my friends of my fantasy sort of commune, but not the kind of commune where you've got people flopping on your sofa and, you know, waking up on the floor and God knows what. It's sort of like the adult bourgeois bohemian version of it where you have a really beautiful piece of land and you have individual dwellings where you live. And so you can have your privacy and I can be my isolationist self Mm. or I can go outside and see my friend gardening or somebody else doing cartwheels or cooking dinner together or whatever it is. (laughs) To me, that's, Someone like, doing cartwheels while dinner's that cooking. That's <laughs> like, making, you know, that's such a movie. While... <laughs> the life of Callie. <laughs> it's like, and you know what? I have been in, I probably have been in those situations where they're cooking and doing cartwheels at the same time. Um, but I think the point is that it's a way, it's chosen family. That's what I call it. Yeah. It's like your soulmates that you find here on, on earth that mm-hmm. you, um, I think we pick everybody, but you know, they're not the biological ones and they're mm-hmm. the ones that you find. And to me, um, that can be equally, if not um, more important, more significant, and supply you with more love and warmth sometimes than a lot of people's biological families do. Yeah. Often. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because a lot of times there's not that history with the issues of the family and different emotional stuff that goes way back to when you were a kid. But also, I think sometimes we just meet people that we're very compatible with in other ways than our family. You know, sometimes in our family, we're just not very compatible. We're very different than other people in our own family. And we find soulmates along our path, people that we relate to better. They relate to us better. We have more things in common and we sort of have that language of the heart that we speak a lot easier. You know, I was thinking about how when I was in my twenties, it was the nineties and friends was huge. Everybody watched Friends. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know you love that show. And I wasn't really watching much TV, and so I really didn't watch Friends much at all. And I was spending a lot more time in the car lot. And uh, so when I came – that was in Florida. So when I came back to New York years later, I started to watch Friends for the first time. And I was like, God, I love this show. This is so great. And I love the chemistry between the six friends. And I was like, I'd always wanted a group of friends like that. And I think moving around a lot as a kid – I mean, just being the new kid, you know, several times and um, trying to fit in in certain places and then going through the awkward years in high school. And then even when I was in college, I was in a fraternity, which I think for me, I did much more because I thought it would fill that hole in my soul. I thought it would make me feel cool. I thought I'd get all the chicks. Yeah, I thought, so you still don't strike me as a, no, well, as, a, and I'm as not, a Greek. I think one of the worst decisions I ever made in my life <laughs> was to be part of the Greek system personally. Okay. So I'm I not, do know you then. I just want to no, just No, I think there's a lot myself. of good that fraternities and sororities do. They do. I was right not people. focused on philanthropy when I joined a fraternity. <laughs> I was focused on girls and partying and having fun and feeling confident. I right. thought it would make me feel better about myself. And so, um, yeah, looking back, it's like, I I wouldn't do it again. And if you do do it, you know, I'd recommend you do it for better reasons than I did. (laughs) But so, you know, I'd been a part of things before, but nothing that really made me feel like it really connected with who I was completely or a, a lot more, um, than other things. And then it wasn't until I got on like a spiritual path in my early twenties and I started to read books and hang around other people that were talking about this stuff that it really felt like I started to find my tribe and find friends who really spoke the language that mm. I was. And, um, so there I was, I come back to New York and I started watching friends and I went through this whole thing of making friends in New York city, which is a, a little bit of a challenge, especially when I was in my late twenties at that point. I was like, I want to get a group of friends, like friends, you know? And <laughs> Did you put a sign up? 
Yeah, I just walked around the city <laughs> with a sandwich sign that said, I want a group of friends like friends. That's a good t-shirt, actually. This is before Facebook, so no one could friend me. It was re- actually real friends. No. So, um, so anyway, so I thought I had this thing where I'll get a girlfriend and then I'll get the group of friends. And what happened for me was the opposite. And this was even more fulfilling because ever since I was 21, I wanted like the greatest girlfriend, you know, like any young guy wants to get this really great girl to be his girlfriend. And what I found was that it was the group of friends and getting a tribe and getting that support and love and attention and inspiration and fun and just joy of life from them. That way I attracted somebody to be like a really great girlfriend for me at that point in my life. So it was funny how the opposite happened. It was a great Mm -hmm. lesson for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it was, it was sort of like, you know, it's different than what I had thought was meant to happen in life, but that's the way it was meant to happen for me. Yeah. I think maybe what I'm hearing you say too, is that the more you fill it up, the more you fill up your soul with the things that you resonate with and you get more into a flow, the more all these people start showing up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I do remember clearly plenty of times, again, maybe more as a young adult in my 20s or even 30s, where I either overattached to people that I got a little overexcited about and gave them a little too much credit, but then when I got really honest, realized that maybe we weren't as close or well-suited as I had maybe idealized we were, Mm. and that's always a little bit of a mini heartbreak. Well, not now, but you know, at the time Mm. when you put a little too much weight into it. But I also remember thinking, oh man, how am I going to really bring in the people that I really feel are my people? Where is my tribe? Where is my sense of chosen family? And sometimes wishing that it was happening um, more fluidly and more plentifully and more often. And I would say what I'd offer just as I'm thinking about this, a way to maybe try to help, you know, if if anybody ever feels like they haven't quite accomplished that yet Mm is that when I started getting more real about who I was and spending more time in situations that made me happy, those people really did show up. Yeah. And they are my closest friends and my, my, my family to this day. My biggest thing that I bemoan is that most of them don't live in New York. And even recently I've had, well, two. One has since moved back, thank goodness. One of my, one of my brothers, one of my other brothers named Rob. Um, I have two of them. You're one of them. Um, but I wish that I lived closer to everybody so that I could have those. That's why I've always fancied what's the great, you know, the wedding is going to be on a compound where no one's going to be able to be able to leave because they're going to be, you know, we're all going to, I need everybody to live together for at least four or five days to get a fix or, um, a milestone birthday or those kinds of things, which I was able to do actually for my last milestone birthday a little bit, um, for a few people in a really great weekend getaway, mm-hmm. but it's hard, you know, I mean, it's great cause you have places to go visit, but I don't have that flow in and out of everybody's homes every day. And yeah. I treasure that when I do. And I have a few friends, um, some very close friends in Washington, DC in particular, I'm thinking about now who have created that. And when I go down there, just even by association, mm. I feel that fills me up what they've created with their neighborhood, with their friends, with this colorful cast of characters that they've just attracted and their open door dinners and pajama brunches on Sunday mornings. Mm. It's really beautiful. And it does really make you feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. I wish that happened more often. 
Well, but I totally relate because I remember when I first found like my tribe in the city, when I moved back and like hanging out with a bunch of guys and we were all single and we were running together on the weekends and, you know, trying to find chicks and go dancing, hang out, you know, do our thing. And it's like, eventually one by one, everybody got married or they started to get into relationships or move Big away. Point. Big point. And yes. it's like, then things really change where it's like all of a sudden, you know, I was looking for new friends or, um, yeah, trying to like add to the tribe because the tribe was changing or relocating or different things. But I think one of the blessings of the tribe that I have, and I, I cherish it because I remember, especially, you know, I'm going to talk about high school again. I remember being in high school and feeling really alone, like just not having anybody to talk to, especially about real stuff. This was back before therapy was so mainstream before a lot of things had come into the mainstream of society where people talked about thoughts and feelings a lot and what's going on. And it's like, I remember not having anybody to talk to. And it's like, I really just appreciate the people I have in my life, the brothers and sisters that are in my inner circle and, um, the thing is that no matter what happens, no matter if we're in a relationship, we move away or whatever, like I, I call these people, my 3am friends, because mm-hmm. these are friends that I can call at 3am mm-hmm. and I know they're going to pick up mm-hmm. the phone and I know they'll be there if, if I need their help. And to me, I mean, that's priceless, you know, and it's the most important thing. I think they say, you know, if you can count your friends on one hand, you're lucky. Mm. I, I'm fortunate because I think I can count on two hands. Yeah. Amen to that. So I'm lucky. Yeah. Very yeah. fortunate. Yeah. I feel the same way. I feel like I feel so blessed that I have found many soulmates and kindred spirits on mm. this planet that are actively a part of my life. And I thank my lucky stars for that every day. And it's really kind of amazing when they show up and you feel like you really recognize each other pretty instantly. And it really does. I feel it like in my deep in my gut, it's there's a cord there that kind of connects us and it hasn't disappointed. It's quite a barometer and it, it really is as if, you know, for the, you know, hundreds of millions of people that walk this planet when you can feel meet people that you really connect with. I mean, what a gift that is just to expand. You bring up a point though. That's also, I think really worth, um, expounding on a little bit, which is that often, what we're talking about really seems to be relegated or people are more aware of it in your twenties. It's a natural extension of being, you know, a young adult Mm. for many fresh out of college or just starting work or whatever your life is about Mm. and socializing and being parts of groups and all of that. And Mm. then it does diminish as people, um, partner and all that. Mm. And that's always made me sad. And we'll wait before I even comment on it. Then what you what you do witness, or at least what I've experienced in watching, having not been married, mm-hmm. is that that sense of nucle- nuclear existence, that kind of separate family thing, mm-hmm. as beautiful as it is for people involved in it, makes them feel a little bit lonely. And then they go through a period where they're looking for it again, or they get divorced, or something happens, or they lose a job, or there's some tragedy, or whatever it is that makes them realize how much they cut off Mm. and to what expense they did. And Mm. then they're seeking it again in their forties and fifties. I've been around that as well. So it would be nice if it were made a bigger priority before you're doing it for deaf, you know, out of desperate measures. Cause it is such an important thing. Yeah. You know, just to have your people around you. Sure. I moved from Brooklyn last year. And so I'm living in the city for the first time in a long time. And I was kind of venturing out, trying to make new friends. You know, a lot of my Brooklyn friends are still there. 
And so, so like, far away I know, that they won't, so, they won't travel to me, Manhattan. It's like they got to make reservations. They can flight, you know? <laughs> oh, so man. it's like, but no. So I actually tried meetup.com and I went to one of these meetup groups. Have you ever done that? I did once with someone, a friend who prodded me and I accompanied him on a hike. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it was a hike. So I went to, it was like a free concert at Juilliard or something, some jazz, Miles Davis concert, something like that. Nice. So I met up and it was like drinks in a concert and I went there and I was surprised at how many people at this meetup were immigrants or they were foreigners Mm. who had just moved here Mm. and they were looking to meet people. And I was like, that's kind of a cool thing that they found this way to make new friends in this new country. I mean, some of them were even still learning English completely, you know, and it's like good for them. And I think if anyone's trying to find their tribe or find a group that they can hang out with or, you know, be a part of something. They don't feel that way. Just, you know, think about what you like doing. Think about your interests. Think about what gets you going, what inspires you, what motivates you, what makes you feel really alive. Like you want to go out and just have an adventure in the world. Like think about those things that really jazz you up and then try and find other people that are interested in the same things. It's such a cliche thing. It's always, you know, even, you know, it's, it's dating advice you get all, over the years too. just find a, join a group, you know, I mean, it's like, how many times have you heard people say that over the years? Just join a club or join a group. And I'm not a joiner. So that never really turned me on. Uh, where, but, where are these groups? <laughs> is this the why? Where are you talking about? But there is something to be said about that. If you do something where you don't put too much pressure on yourself and you don't make it into this big, grandiose, lofty kind of pursuit and just say, you know what? Worst case scenario is I have fun by myself doing something really cool for two hours. And the best thing that comes out of it is you find your people and what a beautiful gift that is. It also reminds me that um, we've talked about this on, in, from, on different levels, um, from different perspectives, but... There's a lot of, when I think of like spiritual gatherings I go to or workshops mm. or psychic this or shamanic that or Tibetan bowl healing this, often these are my friends that are practitioners and obviously I'm a big fan of all those said things. Mm. But what I also notice is how many people in the mainstream, people that are not woo-woo and are not doing this on a regular basis the way I might be. Right are so hungry just to share and speak a common language and talk from the heart and have someone really look at them and really hear them with no judgment. Yeah. We're kind of saying the same thing. That's what I think what finding your tribe and finding your people really means, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's fascinating to me how much we're still lacking in that area as a society when every corner I turn, it seems that people really crave that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an important priority, I think. It's interesting you bring that up because I think we're going to do a topic about this, about how listening is underrated. You oh, know, yes. It's so powerful to listen. And, you know, I I appreciate that. What? Well, I can't hear what you're saying. I really don't yeah, care. I don't really sorry. feel like listening to you right now. Listening. I'm going to talk over you. Were you saying something? Um, so it's like, and one of the things I value about our friendship and other friends I have is sometimes people just listen. They don't need to fix things. They don't need to give some sort of reply or solution or whatever, you know, sometimes you just need to be heard. I remember I had coffee with a childhood friend of mine. And this is like my first girlfriend when I was like in fifth grade and we met you're up an for early coffee. Bloomer. You always say you're a late bloomer. You're an early bloomer on that level. Yeah, baby. Well, in, in some ways I was an early bloomer. <laughs> in other ways I was a late bloomer. We'll talk more about this as the show goes on everybody. So, um, so I met up with her and her name's Jessica. 
And so it was great to see her. She's married, three kids now. We met up in the city for coffee. And I sat there for a couple hours, and I really just listened to her. I mean, she's just going through a lot, telling me some personal stuff. And we just talked. And um, the next day, I texted her or something. I said, it was great to see you. And she texted me back, and she said, you're a really great listener. Thanks. And it reminded me that people not only value that, but sometimes they don't get enough of that. Yes. I, you know, you know, I could, I could sit here and tell many similar stories, but yes, I second that emotion. Absolutely. And, uh, I do think that that warrants its own episode, the listening question asking thing. That's obviously a topic that's very near and dear to both of us, but in the scheme of feeling a sense of tribe or community or finding your people, it Mm. it totally applies Mm. because it's really just about feeling like you're a part of something greater that you feel a sense of being validated. Um, these are things that I don't know, on a really fundamental level, I guess we should all be able to do for ourselves, Mm. but screw that. I mean, we're all human, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so find your tribe people, find your people, people. And we all need support. There's no shame in needing some help asking out and reaching out and saying, you know, I can't do this on my own, you know, feel free to do that. Right. I'm lonely. I feel like an outsider. I feel like nobody's listening to me. Those are all very, very valid, universal things to feel. It's just most people don't have the cojones to say it out loud. Yeah. And that is the first step yeah. in trying to find your your tribe or your support group or su- support system, whatever that may be, right? It's really about taking a step. It doesn't matter what that step in. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what that step is or what direction you're going in. Just take a step. You know, and when you take that step towards somebody, who knows, they may take it back. And then all of a sudden you got your own tribe. And we like a tribe. We do. We do like a tribe. That's right. There's so many songs that just popped into my head, but I will not, I will spare everybody from that. All kinds of references, just the way you worded that. Oh, it's funny. On that yeah. note, one thing that we do want to um, just number one, we want to thank everybody who has thus far contributed their emails with questions, um, uh, need for advice, contributions, thing, uh, topics they'd like us to take up, but especially what we've been asking of all of you, which is to continue to bring on your um, emails for questions that you have that you, that need answering or any guidance that maybe we can offer to you. So feel free to email those to us at the Rob and Callie show at gmail.com. Um, you can please uh, check me out at callialbert.com. And if you're interested in getting a life coaching session with me or find out anything about my projects, like my life coaching album, you are the hero coaching and affirmations, which is on iTunes. You can also go to robk.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.